0: He won Journalist of the Year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You
1: like me right now. You like me.
0: He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now, now that I'm on my way? She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Let's go, baby, let's go, baby Come
1: on. Let's go, baby, let's go, baby Come on. Come on.
2: Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show. Brought to you by no one in particular this week. It's just Jim and Mickey, and with Dave Perkins, our producer, as we hold. You know, the good news is the show is growing, we're expanding, we're attracting new audiences. In fact, we fear about
0: being overexposed Overexposed like Neil Patrick Harris
2: Now at that moment, I'm sure half of our audience Is throwing metaphorical tomatoes at me But uh, Mickey, you know, last night I was seeing the promos for Neil Patrick Harris' New show on NBC, best time ever And I just went Click and change the channel uh, You did not, and you, you contend I missed Something, huh?
3: I, I do. I do. And welcome back. Um Nice to be back again this week. And again, starting our second season together. Kind of hard to believe. Um, I did end up watching Best Time Ever. In fact, I set my reminder just to see it because I personally believe that Neil Patrick Harris should host everything. I, unlike you, do not feel... It doesn't matter. <laughs> Every time he does, it's better. So I'm okay with that. Like I don't mind overexposure of Neil Patrick Harris because I find him amusing. And actually, the show is quite good. But That's I'm open cool, to that, hearing why you feel like he's been overexposed because I know he's hosted a lot of things.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like we reached peak Neil Patrick Harris. Um, we've reached peak Doogie. You're uh, wrong. You're just so wrong, though. <laughs> First of all, How I Met Your Mother, uh, a very enjoyable sitcom. I believe that show, at some point, it got its own channel. In um, <laughs> fact, somewhere, you, no matter you click around, eventually, you will hit How I Met Your Mother. You know,
3: I've never actually seen an episode of that show.
2: See, that explains why you don't, why you don't feel like he's overexposed at all. When, when you have not seen his signature work that's been on for like a decade... <laughs> that explains a lot of why you don't think he's been overexposed. Perhaps. Um,
3: I was never really into that show. like So I never watched it. Like, not one episode.
2: Okay. So, I mean, the show was on so long, they actually started calling it How I Met Your Grandmother. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so it's been on. The so only thing I then, know about
3: that show is that it made the people very angry when it ended. Like, oh, there was like, like the Internet blew up when that show ended. Okay.
2: So then he starts doing Heineken. He does the Oscars. Uh, you and I had dissected his performance there. I thought there were some very good lines. Yes. Uh, including, I, I salute his uh, his one-liner that uh, Edward Snowden could not be here tonight because of some treason. Yes. And um, <laughs> that was great. And you know, then he starts doing the Heineken commercials, which is is cute enough. Um, but his shtick gets you know, oh, he's he's an entertainer and he's a song and dance man, and you know. Uh, we did a segment about uh voiceovers last week. Uh he did the voice of one of the in one of the Batman cartoons. Um mm-hmm. he is, you know, he just see he's, he did uh, he was in Gone Girl, right? I mean, this yeah. guy is just getting relentless work and while I like him, um I I'm love not him I think of the time, it was not that long ago when I think there were three different uh movies featuring um uh I kind ben of went Stiller.
3: to double gay marry him or however that works. <laughs> but I love him. Not to and jump the gun, the but uh, last night, unlike. <laughs> the, the, the show last night was so funny. Like literally Mr. Bias is sitting here cracking up laughing and, and he was mocking me for wanting to watch it initially as well. But it's, it is a true variety show and they do all kinds of crazy things. And his guest host last night was Reese Witherspoon. Okay. And they ended up doing this kind of like American Ninja Warrior slash Wipeout type competition against each other. Um, they had ridiculous like they had games that they played with their audience. A woman ended up winning a car and a whole bunch of other things. Um, they did games where they played with people at home. And they had to fill in the karaoke line. And if they got it wrong, they were out. I mean, it was a really fun show to watch. And especially, and, I, and I, it runs at 10 o'clock at night. But I will tell you, it's, it's a true variety show that, you know, for people who are looking for, quote unquote, quality entertainment that's, you know, good and wholesome and what have you. I, I, I think you're selling this one short. Um, because he's a great host and he plays so well off the audience. He did a segment called This Is Your Life. He brought a couple up on stage and over the previous, I'm going to guess, three to six months, he had been interacting with them and they didn't know it, including on their wedding day. Like He photobombed their wedding pictures and they're watching the video of him just like showing up in places and them not realizing he was actually there. It was absolutely hysterical. I'm See,
2: now to here's like- the thing. If I end up on his program in the coming months and it turns out that he's been photobombing my actual real life, mm-hmm. that might explain why I feel like he's so overexposed.
1: Maybe, but I'm if telling you, you like like
2: the couple seen- was
3: dying because they're like, no, no. Oh, my God. And especially it's like, you know, something else happened in the last couple of months and they get to the final part and of course they they showed him in all these strange random places where he'd run into them and done things to them and just insane things. And then they get to their wedding day. And she's like, No. Oh my God. And there he was, Neil Patrick Harris was at their wedding and photo bombing all over the place. All
2: right, so if I feel like I'm seeing him everywhere there's at least a non a zero possibility that I literally am actually seeing him everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you you might actually be seeing him it, everywhere. It's sort of, okay. But if I'm arguing that he's overexposed, having him behave sort of like the NSA, <laughs> creeping into your life in all kinds of ways. Must you, you ruin
3: expect- everything? I mean, it was so funny. I swear to you, it's one of those shows that, again, Mock me if you want, but if you really want to be entertained and you don't want to learn anything and you just want to, like, have a good time and laugh, it was really good last night. Now, is it going to continue to be good? I don't know. It's a new show, but I, I really did enjoy it last night and I really did laugh quite a bit.
2: All right. Let me dissect a few things here about Neil Patrick Harris. And this is where I can I can hear the Internet commenters sharpening their machetes. <laughs> oh, bring so- the knives. So here's – so Neil Patrick Harris comes out and you know what? Good for him. God bless him. I hope he has a long, happy life and a wonderful time with his partner and his children and, and all of that. Good for him. Um, I do think that the fact that he was – of course on How I Met Your Mother, he played the world's most um, uh, shameless womanizer and in fact like borderline psychotic womanizer. Somebody mm-hmm. pointed out that – well, you know, like some of the jokes – Well, let's like, not but,
3: forget his character in Harold and Kumar.
2: Yes. OK. Making fun of himself. And yes. His, you know, former image as Doogie and all that. Um, People pointed out that his character, you know, said things on How I Met Your Mother that even in a non-PC problematic social justice warrior world, like, at one point he says something like, you know, yeah, I think one time I owned a woman in the Philippines. <laughs> like, that, like, like, you know, funny, kind of dark, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you're making, you're kind of making this offhand joke about sex trafficking in the middle of this otherwise funny sitcom. And I always had this feeling that because he had since. God, the closet, you
3: people. Anyway.
2: Let me finish. Yes. Uh, that, that because he was playing, everybody kind of knew, oh, that's not really who he is, right? That's not who Neil Patrick Harris is. He's play, you know, it made it safer. To laugh at him to say, "Oh, this is all pretend." His character is nowhere near this, you know, um, uh, you know, un- unhinged, you know, exploitative person. Um, and so he does that. Per- and he does that performance, very well, wins lots of awards. And I just kind of feel like at some point, the, the fact that he became popular fueled the popularity. I mean, he hosted the, the Tonys a whole bunch of times, correct? He performed on Broadway. Um,
3: I'm going to counter this argument right now by saying two things. One, yeah. Doogie Hauser was a hit for a zillion years because he's a good little actor. And two, we like seeing them be successful after they've, you know, a lot of child actors turn into heroin addict nightmares. And instead, he has really developed his talents. And I think that you've answered your own question in the sense that he's actually talented. And that's pretty rare in Hollywood. He can sing, he can dance, he can act, he can do comedy. Um, he's very, very quick on his feet.
0: Back in the bygone Hollywood days, to be able to sing, dance, and act, you were known as a triple threat, and you were likely to work a lot more.
3: And as much as, you know, it's as easy to say, like, oh, he got a lot of attention because he came out. It is my understanding he came out after that show was already on the air.
2: Uh, could very well be. I, I I would correct you slightly, saying that Doogie Hauser was on for four years, so it was it was a hit, but it was not a runaway hit and long lasting hit. But people um, remember
3: it. I mean, th- this was yes. back in the days of you know that was a long time for shows to last back then. Yeah
2: um he's you know undoubtedly he's did the uh the dr Harville sing along with with nathan Fillion, part of the uh part of the Joss Whedon crowd i, I just kind of feel like he has people have been raving about him for a really long time, and probably like the ultimate example of the overhype is the title of the show bet was it best time ever best best time right? ever yes so like setting the bar high <laughs> you know like <laughs> like if I go there and I think it's eh, kind of funny. Um, then, you, then you've disappointed me. You've not lived up to the expectations. So, um, well,
3: okay. But the, entire, the only thing... But, but is- do you really want to call a show, like, kind of the best time ever or might be the best time ever? I, I mean, really. Like, you it's have modesty. To-
0: That's right. I Ladies and gentlemen, salute. welcome back to another episode of You Might Like This.
3: Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know exactly where that works in, but, again, well, I am evening. totally team NPH on this because I have loved him. I never watched Doogie Howser. Um again, my childhood was different than yours. I tell you people this all the time. Um I never watched Doogie Hauser, however, I knew who he was because of him crossing over into that kind of teen pop magazine thing. Um now having said that I I really and, and again I've never watched his other hit show either. But I loved him in the Harold and Kumar movies. Um I loved his Broadway performances I've loved him in almost all the movie roles that he has taken, including Gone Girl. And I think he's just super talented and, and likable. Damn it, he's a likable guy.
2: You might like I him. I, I don't dispute his likability. I feel like the entire, like the, all the promos for the show are effectively, don't you love Neil Patrick Harris? Yes. Well, yes, I do. I, I, I like him.
3: Now, let me ask you this. Were you a big watcher of How I Met Your Mother or whatever?
2: I don't think I would. I would have said that. I simply felt like it was on all the time, and I believe because it's the episode. It's been on for nine years. It was ran for like.
0: Nine
3: Friends years. is on all the time. It's still the best show ever.
0: I don't know. I'll stack my forty years of Gilligan's Island up against anyone's rerun.
2: But so you've got let's say nine years, twenty some episodes a year. That's hundred and eighty episodes. Uh, I think TBS has it. I think there's at least a uh, WBN or something. There's a, there it, it's syndicated a whole bunch of times. So at any given hour, the prime time hours, I'm clicking through the channels. I can encounter that episode, and I'm seeing him do his lovely, you know, you know, hopeless uh, womanizer character, Barney. And he goes, "Oh, what troubles he in now?" Um, so I guess first of all, if it's running in syndication, I bet you we have Neil Patrick Harris competing against himself. Oh, always. Right? You know. Uh, and I guess you know, I guess I was starting to describe earlier, I remember one time picking up the, the movie listings in the paper, looking through, and there were three different Ben Stiller movies playing in the Cineplex at the same time. That's too much.
3: <laughs> I, but Ben Stiller's not funny all the time.
2: True. I, I guess I'm saying overexposure can reach anybody. And my nagging doubt is that I, I you know, I, I like Neil Patrick Harris if he's going to become the new, you know, I, we haven't heard anything about him hosting the Oscars again or anything like that. Maybe he will well, dial The it good
3: news for you, Jim, is that soon Facebook is going to give you an opportunity to voice that negative opinion that's always, <laughs> always coming out of your mouth um, because they are adding finally, finally. the unlike button. Yeah, like button. We've been waiting and now it's here. We're going to talk about that coming up next. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you're listening to the Jim and Mickey show.
0: And I'm Big Dave, your Jim and Mickey show producer, closing out this segment with the new theme song for the Facebook. Unlike button. Here's three days. Great. You from K-Tel Records, 22 explosive hits, 22 original stars. Gallery.
1: Oh, it's so nice to
0: be with you. The great
1: Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, the Candy Man can. Smith Barney, they make money the old-fashioned way. They
3: earn it. Hi, and welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I'm Mickey White, along with my co-host, Jim Garrity. And uh, we were just getting into possibly one of the biggest news to hit the internet in a long time. Facebook has finally, after years of our users begging, added a dislike button. Now, it's not there yet, but it's coming.
0: Let the hatred flow.
3: Well, and that's the thing. It kind of has a double-edged sword because... There are a lot of people, myself included, who initially really wanted a dislike button on Facebook. But as the you know, internet has turned kind of uglier more recently. <laughs> now I'm not so sure that the dislike button is such a great idea.
0: Tell um, you what, for, from where I sit, it's going to radically reduce the number of selfies they post on there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: people get
0: get some solid, profound dislikes going; they'll quit putting those stupid pictures of themselves. And I include myself, by the way.
3: I was going to say include <laughs> myself on that one too, because I put up ridiculous pictures of myself all the time.
2: For those of you wondering, it's it, my understanding, according to uh, Zuckerberg doing a Q&A session at the Facebook headquarters. It's not out there yet. He says he realizes people may not want to like a current event, such as the Syrian refugee crisis, or a family member passing away, but he also doesn't want users to merely vote up or down on, on people's posts. Because it always is like, you know, you're, you're, you're reading Facebook and you see this post from your friend, my dog Buster, after 14 years, has finally, you know, succumbed. We had to put him to sleep today. And your only response is, like... Wait, no, no, I don't like that you're putting Buster's <laughs> sleep. No, I mean, I, I like that you love, I, you know. That, that it, there
3: funny. should be one that's like, I'm concerned.
2: Yeah. Because or, it's
3: kind of like, you know, like, I, I've read this. I'm concerned. um Sympathy. I, I, I don't know. Sympathy, yes, I guess, because it, it usually does involve bad news where you're like, I liked it. And then you're like, wait, I didn't mean to like it. I just meant to. Oh, whatever. Maybe just, like, support (laughs) button.
0: I let other people decide. I go with the majority. If someone has passed away and there's 47 likes on there, I assume they're being sympathetic. And and I kind of join with that crowd.
3: I I like it, too, because 95% of the things, unless I know the person personally really well, 95% of the responses are going to be the same, which is, of course, you know, so sorry for your loss. And it's not that you're not sincere. But at the same time, you know... Uh, the like means the same.
2: Yeah, 40 people of the exact... You know, question, when, when you, when you find, get an, a notice that somebody on Facebook is having a birthday, what do you say? Happy birthday. Happy right? birthday. So on Please. your birthday, you, will look at, you'll, you get onto Facebook and you have like 200 messages. And there's like 150 happy birthday, 45 happy birthday to you. They decide to type out the extra two words and five people might say you know hope your day is special or something like that. Yes, but Facebook see I actually
3: enjoy us- Facebook birthdays. So I can't I cannot turn on the Facebook birthday because I enjoy them because it's one of the rare moments where a lot of times I end up reconnecting with people that I haven't talked to in a while hmm. simply because I pop up for them because I'm not someone who's super active in the whole Facebook community. And um, so it's it's one of those things where I have found that Facebook birthdays often have me reuniting with people I haven't spoken to in a while.
2: It does do that. It also I, for a while I was seem to be getting the notices that so and so had a birthday very late in the day, so it'd be like the next day when you realized, oh, you know, oh, oh, remember, you know, that person who's important to you, yeah, they had a birthday, yeah. 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 nice job, Jim. You know. Um that that faintly scolding tone from Facebook. So. Now, Vicky, yes. do you think the dislike button is it gonna exacerbate flame wars in Facebook comment sections or is it gonna calm them down and that maybe instead of saying, You suck and you know, all of that, that you just kinda say unlike or dislike and, and there you go. You just kind of yeah.
3: summarize what
2: you say with a button of it, with a touch of a button.
3: You you have a great deal more faith in humanity than I do at this point. <laughs> Because I'm telling you right now, based on my own personal experiences recently, I have never seen people behave the way that they are currently behaving online. And honestly, in real life, too, it's like, I don't know if it's a full moon all the time or if people have just gone completely mad or maybe it's like, screw it, let's just let our freak flag fly. But um, there has just been madness everywhere. So... I can understand Zuckerberg's concern because you don't want it to turn into it like a Reddit situation where people are voting (laughs) it up and down based on like, sorry, your dog died, but we really didn't like the version of the story that you told. So dislike.
2: Yeah, (laughs) ugly.
0: The bitterness. Because the ones that I'm concerned
3: about mostly is like – for the most part, I, I would not dislike something. I would merely, you know, ignore it or, like you said, in a sympathetic way, like something. But say, you know, it's a political thing or, more importantly for me, a personal update that is absolutely unnecessary for the whole world to see. And th- th- this I this I attribute to the, you know, the whiners of the Facebook world, those that like to go on there and kind of... um. It's usually very vague and unusually to a significant other of some kind. Those people, I would find myself like dislike. Don't put the shit out there. Dislike. And, uh, and it, it's just one of those things. But it, and, and of course, then there's the, the new moms. Look, here's my baby. Look, here's my baby rolling over. Look, here's my baby with <laughs> spittle coming out of its mouth. Like I, That, I, I, again, eh, don't dislike. Don't hit the dislike button. No, <laughs> no,
2: no. You're going to feel t- – you know what you need? Uh, when, when Facebook gets really ingenious is they will create and like or dis. See. <laughs> Like the, qui- the quiet disapproval button. <laughs> the, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but button. <laughs> <laughs> the, the
3: quiet disapproval. Like, I just can't. And, 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 it's, you know, and again, of course, now there's the whole breastfeeding thing, and you know how I feel about that. And so now there's just people just whipping their boobs out all over the place, and they're going to end up on Facebook, and you know I'm going to not be able to control myself with a dislike button on that particular case.
2: You know, <laughs> we've mentioned how um, – we live in fear of the second American Civil War, sparked by a disagreement over whether it should be ketchup or mustard on hot dogs right um, and, and it 's kind of been fascinating. the era of social media has revealed there are certain things that just set people off like nothing else and, and like yes. you know, it, it, the funny thing is is that the more like politics, religion, sure, we all kind of knew this tipping. Has turned into something where, like, if you mention this, if I mention this in the the work in NRO or you put this up on Facebook, you know, absolute flame sessions. Now, I I should point out when I said the dislike button, I don't think it will mitigate the raging passions. I wasn't saying I think people will be nicer because of it. I just think they'll be lazier.
1: And so instead of fighting out their angry speeches. Yes, instead
3: instead of having to explain their counter position, the laziness kicks in and just dislike.
2: Well, except from the barf button. You know, just. Like oh, I gotta hit the caps lock button. You know, so everything I write is in all caps. The
0: endless scream.
2: I gotta, I gotta find. You know, the ast- you know If they're really creative, I gotta use asterisks for bad words. But people don't do that anymore. They'll just, you know, use the F bomb. This or could F-bomb. be
0: another another thing like smileys and little little uh, moving gifs. You know, and cute little themes for ending uh, pungent. Uh, small comments you could sell those things as as, like ringtones on a cell phone the different kinds of button by which you express your disapproval of a facebook post it's it's an endless market for graphics and maybe sound think about it picture the the, the gif of the flaming bag of poo (laughs) throw it on the doorstep and wait in the bushes that could be a mini movie
2: (laughs) you know a gif of toilet paper being thrown into the trees you know or what other like you know a gif of somebody cutting you off in traffic. There be all kinds of- <laughs> There's money to be made there. Where's Zuckerberg on I, I this? I detest test you and everything you stand for. And- <laughs> and
0: all. I'm going to stick with the original barf button, guys, I think. Maybe an air sickness bag? I don't know.
3: <laughs> that that could work. That could definitely work. I, I Honestly, at this point... I I put nothing past people on social media as I've said I I don't think it's going to lead to anything good however I do feel that I will find myself using it and um, (laughs) so I look forward to it being there available for me for those moments when I'm just like no no you need to stop posting this (laughs) and because you know sometimes you want to write out to that person like maybe 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 don't put this
0: out (laughs) It's too late.
3: <laughs> you know, just a thought this maybe, you know, nobody wants to hear about it. We I, I had a woman and this is a absolute true story. I had a woman who, God bless her, went through a a a random pregnancy slash miscarriage day by day on Facebook. Oh
0: Ooh, you can't tempo temporarily block, isn't there some feature where you don't have to see certain I hid
3: them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's what you do. But, you know, the, there's there's things that you share and then there are things that you do not share. And there are things that, like, I, I mean, it's really crazy with, you know, a lot of the social issues going on. You A lot – people find it very comfortable to tweet and, and send out on Facebook pictures of, you know, dead bodies and things of that nature. I, I – I don't think that's necessary to get your point across because that's mm-hmm. just going to get me to pretty much like hide your stuff.
2: Did Facebook reveal that basically everyone wants to live as the star of their own little TV show? <laughs>
0: that's how it is. That's how it is. Oh, absolutely.
2: And so every little thing, here's what I'm eating, you know, uh, it becomes part <laughs> of the show.
3: Yeah. Oh, and- absolutely. Uh, you know, Andy Warhol in his 15 minutes. Um, actually here's, here's a plug on this, but it, there's actually a chapter in my book on this on social media and how Andy Warhol totally, he might have been onto to something, missed the mark on the 15 minutes because people will milk that for as long as they possibly can.
0: Andy Warhol also in the 1960s, Every town had three network TV stations and a couple of independents, if that. So to Warhol, fame meant you're on TV, and on TV meant in front of everybody in America. The bisected, fractured audiences of the digital age, he wasn't familiar with. So I think we'll have to give him an hour and 15 minutes on Facebook instead of 15 minutes on national television.
3: Right, and it, and, and interesting you had mentioned that because it reminds me of you know some conversations I've had earlier this week with other people, and... The idea of, you know, um, being popular and how we're such a segmented society now that you can be popular, but you might only be popular within your own little group or your own little niche. It takes quite a bit to be popular on a national level.
2: We've now reached the point where in this country where if you are one in a million, there are about 315 people who are like you.
0: Right. Exactly. So painfully it's not really exactly that special like that anymore. Right? <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. No, it, it, the other thing else is it's, it's been fascinating to see how the social media um, has done a lot to make people less social in real life. There's a fantastic graphic going around, of course, on social media, which features everyone staring at their phones. And they said, what's the point of a zombie apocalypse if everybody's acting like a zombie already?
3: Oh, yes. Amen. <laughs>
2: how do they Amen. manage that
0: in big cities without bumping into each other? Lots of people. I,
3: I, you know, I'm guilty of having my phone on me all the time. However, I do put limits on it, and I I get very frustrated and am known for being in a room with my friends who are who are doing the the phone thing, and and literally scolding them with, "You do realize there are real people in this room right now?
0: Yeah, real zombie people. They're all looking at their phones too."
2: If they were, they would texting me. I'm checking my Facebook feed for any <laughs> pictures of them. Looking, you know, taking pictures of this room. So, yes. eventually, like we, we end up living in our own little virtual worlds of our existing worlds, um, and it becomes indistinguishable from it. And then we have to unplug from the matrix. So, or like Peter um, Griffin,
0: you get some theme music for every time you start walking. The music starts playing. Forget that disconnecting. <laughs> that I reminds want, me I want
3: higher Dallas production value. Really bad LSD trip. <laughs>
2: A friend. Anyway, on that happy note, we will look at the social media's capacity to destroy another beloved aspect of life right after this. When it comes to the music
1: of the 90s, anything goes. We right right got Living in the 90s. Two and a half hours of the coolest songs on two CDs and two cassettes.
3: Check it out!
1: You'll be amazed at who you'll find on Living in the 90s. There are sex symbols, basketball stars, legendary artists.
3: Living in the 90s has the songs you know, the songs you love, and the songs you just can't live without.
1: Can't touch this. There's only one thing left to say about living in the 90s. You're
2: unbelievable. To order, call the number on your screen or send check a or money order. two CDs, 2699. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And we return to one of my favorite topics, the return of Twin Peaks. Uh, Twin Peaks, the mystery drama series airing on ABC from 1990, 1991. Now, one of the fascinating things when you create a show... In The 1990s, the pre-internet era is you don't need to worry about people walking around with, with cell phones and, and cameras and things like that as you're filming up in the Pacific Northwest and suddenly potentially putting out spoilers about what's happening. Well, fast forward to the year 2015 and the creators Lynch and uh, Mark Frost are now finding themselves irritated and seeing pictures of their production up on the Internet. So uh, David Lynch is reporting unpleased that fans are taking photos of the filming and uploading them to various sites on the Internet. Even though everyone he saw was being courteous and staying on public sidewalks, etc., this was just too much for David Lynch. So one of the websites has said they're going to abide by his wishes and will only post stills of the filming process once the final episode airs. Now, I can't help but sympathize with David Lynch. So You're trying to do a mystery series. You're trying to do something that's got a lot of twists and turns. And you can't really do that very well if, as you're trying to you know create the process, people are already getting to see it during that. So... Um, Is mystery dead in the era of internet spoilers, Nikki?
3: You know, I think that it is if you click on that link. Mm. Because that's the choice you have. I mean, the majority of places that offer spoilers are usually pretty good about letting you know there's a spoiler alert out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we posed this question to some of our listeners um, on social media, one of the first things that came up is, could the sixth sense be made today? Because of that shocking I, I ending, mean, and would people be able to be quiet about it, or would they immediately jump on social media and just
2: ruin it? <laughs> I think that I, think I, I really don't think that one is in uh, uh, is in dispute. But I, I, as you're as you're raising that question, Mickey, I'm going to ask you: Has there been any, any program or any time where you've read something or seen something you're like, ah, you know, you spoiled it for me?
3: I can't really say that there is because I tend to like avoid spoiler alerts. If I know I'm what? going to watch something, and again, I see that as a, a choice. Um, but I think that it, it's inevitable that it's going to happen. It's inevitable now. We've got, you know, filming shots, they, they leak things, but to actually have plot things leaked, um, especially when you're talking about something so precious as Twin Peaks to you people. Um, that I think you're going to run into problems. And I think that he's kind of laying down the law early so as to not have this problem later on. Because, mm. you know, they're really just getting into all of it now. And knowing Mr. Lynch the way he is, he's um, a bit of a prima donna. And he could yeah. very well be making it clear to both fans. And, and, you know, and, and paparazzi, et cetera, if they expect him to keep working on this, then they're going to play by his rules.
2: Um, I'm reminded of an interview that Mark Frost had done uh, during just do the discussion, the creation of the first series where there people were coming up to him and asking, all right, who killed Laura Palmer? Who killed, you know, and they, he, he seemed almost indignant that people thought he would say. Yes. And at one point he uses the phrase, these are state secrets. And on the one hand, in a world where you know office personnel management, <laughs> twenty-two million uh, sensitive records have been released, and Hillary's emails and things like their pop culture, you know, revelations, and, and something from a fictional work is state secret. On the other hand, you know, if, if that's kind of if, if you're creating a mystery series, the entire drama comes from wondering what the answer is to the mystery. And then the moment of discovery when it is. And so, like I, on the one hand, I can very much see their irritation of this. At the same time, you know, I, I, you, you can filming and, and not expect people to take out, whip out their cell phone cameras and start taking pictures of it. <laughs> There's going to be a ban on cameras on set.
0: They've already Warren. got cell phones confiscated at so many places that has nothing to do with national security or, or government exactly. secrets. People confiscate cell phones to let you in their bar.
3: There are a lot of places that make you leave yourself under the door so that you cannot, especially like private parties, where you cannot take pictures inside
2: maybe you know this will be kind of the pushback towards this that uh, uh, there'll be a yearning for people to not do that it kind of the other thing also is like you know you look at uh, uh, those of us with the you know uh, the small boy uh, parenting contingent know the stores are now full of Star Wars gear. My sons already uh-huh. have the Lego sets. They already have, you know, the Star Wars movie doesn't come out until December. Yeah. But all of a sudden we know the characters, we know the vehicles, we've seen the mo- pictures. Well, and you know, that's part up of up it,
3: too, is that, you know, the promos leading up to it are significantly different than Leaks.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. That's and, controlled I this leaks. observation, like, the, the priming of the pump, of, of wetting the appetite for the audience, is now a very big part of these productions. But that's and always been
3: a very big part of really good promotion. Mm. I mean, that, that's just part of marketing. And, and so that's basic. But, I mean, as far as the Twin Peaks situation goes, at, any, at this point, you know, Lynch is, like, in my opinion, laying down the law. I think that there are a lot of movies that get made with spoilers that don't get out. It just happens. Um, however, there's a certain amount of holdback. There's always going to be that jackass, though. That feels the need to like ruin it for everyone else, and that person you know in real life as well as online. Well, I know you're going to run into them, and they're going to say to you, "Like, have you seen the end of True Detective yet?" Like, no. Oh my God, well, you won't mm. believe when this happens. Um, I hate that person. I hate that person in real life. I hate that person online. <laughs> so you know, it's it's it, again, it's it's like the the old saying. What does cocaine do to your personality? It enhances it, which, of course, leads to, well, what if you're an asshole?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So,
3: I mean, it's the same thing with the Internet. You know, if you're a good person, I'm sure that comes through. If you're a bad person, eventually that's going to come through. It I, just enhances it. I think it's this like is the food. theme of
0: the mask, right? Wasn't that the Jim Carrey theme? Good people get better, lovers get better more exciting, bad guys get tougher and meaner. That's The Mask. Is it? Mm. Yes. the
3: Yes. Well, that's a, also a reference to the Big Sean song that I sent to Jim Garrity, which inspires me every time that I listen to it, One Man Can Change the World. He actually refers to the Jim Carrey, The Mask
0: version. I almost called him Jim Garrity.
2: Ha- there you- it's close in yeah, a lot yeah, of ways. I'll, I'll, I'd rather not have that comparison. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you're hitting on something, Mickey, and I'm kind of noticing that like There was a time when filmmakers, you know, you you create the movie and it's designed silver screen. And somebody once said, like, part of the magic of the movies is you're there, you're watching it, and it's like somebody's face 40 feet high. You have to look at it. And then all of a sudden they realize that, like, you know, you put the trailer up on you. And you're watching it on a screen like four inches. You know, it's, it's a four inches by six inches, maybe, or maybe you're watching it on your phone, and it's even smaller. And on the one hand, and particularly if you want to like really make the image exciting and robust and intricate and all that stuff, a lot of that's going to get lost on the smaller screen. And yet, I think you know, you look at the the way that you know trailers now get released; they get kind of announced. Uh, it ricochets all around the internet within 24 hours. I, I, think the ability to enjoy things in the theater is starting to, to slip away from us. And it's kind of a, a concession to reality. Um, and you know, I guess maybe again, keeping with my, uh, Luddite, uh, cranky traditionalist status I feel like we're kind of losing something special about the, you know both the magic of the movies and magic of storytelling in this era you of use instanti- big words there's only two syllables in Luddite
3: <laughs> and I think that there are still good movies made I just think that we are so flush with so many movies coming out and so many of them are crap um, it often makes <laughs> me wonder how they got green lighted at all you know, and
2: are you, you segueing? or are you spoiling for our, our next segment?
3: Uh, well, it's kind of I guess a combination of both. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about some of the we've been talking about reboots for a minute here and uh, on the on our show over the last couple of months and some of the unnecessary ones. And it's it's very frustrating whenever you see basically, you know, even with your Twin Peaks situation, I know you're super excited. But are there no original ideas, and if there are no original ideas, can they at least come up with an original angle? Mm. I'm going to tell Big Dave something on the other side of this segment that's going to break his heart, so stay with us. You expect me to stay here
0: when you try to close out a segment like that? Really? Do I have any hope? Nope. (laughs) So stay with us. You have a standby producer in case I die?
3: (laughs) He's Jim Garrity. Oh, yeah. That's Dave Perkins. You're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show.
2: This is Ma- Ma- Max Headroom, and what you're about to witness is one of the most sinister-sounding intros to a trailer to one of the greatest epics ever produced in the history of t- t- television. And there's more, because you are going to see it as well. Yes, it. Yes, it. Yes. yes. Namely, the Max Headroom st- story. Afterwards, that is, directly following, I want to talk to you about something even bigger. Namely, my Max Headroom.
0: Now, now, back to the Jim and Mickey Show.
3: Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am your host, Mickey White, along with Jim Garrity. And we were just getting into a topic that seems to come up on the show quite a bit. And that is the reboots coming out of Hollywood. Um, Some of them are fun, like the Avengers and Batman. And some of them are disasters. And some of them should have just never been made. But a few weeks ago, we discussed some films that, you know, really just should never be touched. Not from your childhood, not from, you know, maybe your teenage formative years. There were certain movies that should not be touched. And one of the movies we brought up was Roadhouse. And, and and we got a lot of feedback on that from our listeners because that's one of those movies that Patrick Swayze just owned the role of Dalton, right? That was just like the perfect, cheesy, late 80s, early 90s Patrick Swayze badass movie.
0: I thought you'd be bigger. Yeah, I get that a lot. You
3: know, for that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs>
1: Gee, I've never heard
3: that before. I get that a lot. <laughs> it was a great line, you know, and that was cool. And, he, you know, and he's like, you know, whatever happens, you stay cool until it's time to not be cool. Like, it, it was just amazing, right? Well, now they announced that they were going to remake it. This caused us a great deal of stress uh, between the three of us and many of our listeners and our audience. Now they've announced that to put a little twist on it. They're going to have Ronda Rousey play the role of Dalton. I'm in the role that was played by Patrick Swayze. I'm in now for this Ronda Rousey. You're Rousey's in, Dave. Like,
0: I'm that's in. It for you No consternation in. here. They can reboot this one ten times. I'm there
2: now, Mickey. For everyone not familiar, she's a mixed martial artist. Correct. She's undefeated. Yes.
3: She's undefeated. Okay. And she is badass.
2: She was in The Expendables 3 um, playing what a role that usually would be characterized as the token girl. Uh, I think it's safe to say with her, her physical prowess she was not a token girl.
0: She's been in uh, a Same. few episodes of Entourage where the poor little tiny little guy, I can't remember his name in the show, but he allowed himself to have his butt kicked by her for a certain amount of time so he could have a date with her. I remember <laughs> he's asking his friend in the in the corner after like five seconds of being in there. How much left? How much left? He just can't bear the threshing that he's getting. But he bravely mm-hmm. holds up for it because she says she'll go out with him if he does. It was like 30 seconds. <laughs>
3: and she's become a very interesting kind of female, not necessarily role model, but just an icon, if you will, because of her absolute strength. And beauty and talent and she's intelligent and she's a really interesting woman. And, and now seeing her getting this role, I've been very anti-Roadhouse reboot, as you know. Like, I think that's just blaspheme. However, something about this twist allows me to watch it with fresh eyes. And because I do like her persona, I don't know her personally, obviously, but I do like her persona, I am... Really excited to see how she does with this. Now, how do you feel no, about this, Jim? Is this okay or
2: no? I was going to say, you know, we, you as uh, the the foremost denunciator of the concept of the myth of the sisterhood. Yes, the idea that you know um, there there are a lot, a lot of areas where you cross swords with the uh, feminists they would call themselves. But you, but certainly you know I cross swords a,
3: with a lot of chicks.
2: Yes, you do. Um, but this, this is a case in which you take a traditional male role, cast a you know female actress in it and one it fits right I mean not Reese Witherspoon as the bouncer right, right? exactly is, you know, yes, <laughs> you know, that would be stupid it's strangely plausible right you know right. Like, we, we all kind of doubt that she you know, physically you know Ronda Rousey could handle that kind of a job and all of a sudden now you're like okay you know does she have a tougher job you know like, like do, are there a lot of you know big mean drunk guys who don't take her seriously because she's a woman and she's got to teach him a lot le- like all of a sudden you can kind of see directions for the story to go uh-huh. What makes what makes her you know want to do this kind of you know like all of a sudden there are all these you know doors that are open that might not be there if you would cast um, a, a male mixed martial artist you know star right right and all of a sudden there's something a little more in, a little more drama just inherent in the concept there
3: well and it's not just trying to remake Patrick Swayze because Patrick Swayze is always going to be Dalton mm. so the only way to I mean they tried this with the Karate Kid it didn't work out so hot but. You know, maybe for Hillary Swank it did. But at the same time, I think that this is the only way that they could do it that audiences would not lose their minds. If you don't remember when Red Dawn came out, the second one, people <laughs> act like that didn't even happen.
2: <laughs> Negative you know, box actually, it office. It had, uh, what's his name, Thor. Chris Hemsworth, yeah. Uh, it's kind of the, the main guy in there. It um, didn't matter. Yeah, you know, also, you know, changing it to North Korea didn't help either. But, uh, <laughs> did you matter. Know, you know, in last segment, you know, because we, we didn't spoil this. To continue the theme of discussion of spoilers, uh, Mickey, you had promised to break Dave's heart in the last one, and I'm waiting for it. I kind of want to see. I'm waiting for that. You know, him to throw his eyes to that.
3: Well, I wanted to get to the roadhouse thing first. Okay. But yes, Dave, prepare yourself. Am
0: I going to have to go on a killing spree for vengeance?
3: Perhaps. Maybe. Um. But just prepare yourself accordingly. Okay. Um. And those of our listeners and audience who know, we discussed. Um, those things from our childhood that we wanted nothing touched. We, you know, really, it was perfect just the way it was. Yes, we did. And Dave, of course, was a big fan of the Jungle Book.
0: Being the old fart that I am.
3: But you also, you, you did swear vengeance upon anyone who would touch that.
0: I promised a killing spree. Are you saying it's happening?
3: I am suggesting that they are now releasing trailers for a brand new Jungle Book that is non-animated and full live action.
0: It's time for another Hollywood killing spree for me. See you guys in a month. By the way, who do I have to kill this time?
3: I don't know, Dave, but I, I, I wanted to break it to you on air because I felt like it was really important for me to share this with our listeners and with you. So you had the support. And love that you needed to go through this difficult time.
0: <laughs> Listeners can't see tears on a
2: radio show.
1: <laughs> Death to Hollywood,
2: but but they can hear them <laughs> deep, deep inside. Yeah, so you know, not to depress people further, but uh, Geek US lists 93 movie remakes and reboots that are currently in the works. Uh, everything from Akira, *Alienation*, uh, *Beauty and the Beast*—gonna It's gonna be live action. Yeah, ben Hur. Big Trouble in Little China, Hitchcock's The Birds, you go down the list. All kinds of stuff. One of the things that jumps out with real horror to me uh, is, is The Fugitive with Harrison Ford and, and Tommy Lee Jones, which, of course, was a remake of an old television series. Mm-hmm. So now we're at the, the stage of the remakes of the remakes. And you know, can't you just leave something that was really well done by itself? Do we need to just, you know, well, more importantly, take younger can you not actors not come up with and, an original you know, idea? that's my question where's the creativity (laughs) like like, couldn't
3: you you well like this whole Idris Elba or I'm sorry Idris Elba thing with him being um, James Bond or 007 I love me some Idris Elba and I really don't care but can't they just write an original spy film for him and put him in that
2: after having you know five actors play James Bond the idea of having a black British actor being this remarkably groundbreaking—like, you know, he, he could be really good in the role. He's he's played good roles in the past, um, but I always thought you know, people had said whether Salt, uh, starring Angelina Jolie, was always a you know the th- the female version of James Bond. I so if you that. really wanted to, you know, to change that, you could you know t- you you could probably watching Angelina Jolie do all the Bond movie cliches backwards. Um, with himbos instead of bimbos and stuff. That strikes me as the sort of thing that could be a uh, kind of interesting reversal of all that stuff. You know, if you really want to do a spy thriller with Idris Elba, do a spy thriller with Idris Elba. Just don't right. call it Guy James Bond.
0: And do it right. with uh, Angelina Jolie and call it salt and pepper.
2: Oh,
3: ah. and call it something that I will watch. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Can
3: I mean, mean I like loved just her in Salt. I'm not a big fan of her personal life, but her professional acting, I enjoy thoroughly. I loved her in Salt, and to be honest, even though it was a home wrecking film, Mister and Mrs. Smith was fantastic.
2: Yeah, another one which was semi James Bond in its theme and stuff. Yeah, like so, yeah, again, a spy movie. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that's frustrating is for, like there are two ways. There are two ways to really botch a, a reboot or a remake.
3: Why can't we get one a Brad is- Thor James or Brad Thor movie?
2: There you go. There you go. We endorsed, plus one. You know. Of course um, you're going to endorse
3: this, plus one. What is it? The main character's name is Harvath, right?
0: Yes. Scott Horvath with one T on Scott. Scott yeah.
3: Harvath. And, you know, why can't Scott Harvath get a movie?
2: Yeah. Starring Idris Elba. <laughs> the, one way to go wrong with a reboot is to basically remake it either shot for shot or line for line. Oh or to God, not change yeah. much of anything and just have younger actors. At which point you're like, no, no, the first one was really good. We didn't need, you know. They they made that movie so you you didn't have to make this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the other way is to just really change a whole bunch of stuff and, and to, you know, make you know, very dramatic plot line changes and we changed the nun into how and all of a sudden, you know. Well now, they were now, able to
3: do with the Batman series. Like each one was so very different that you were able to accept each of the incarnations.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, word is they're making another man. We might get his origin story again for probably the third time. I think in about twelve years, Because you know? well, that's because oh, Superman gets can't a stick. Spider. I've never seen that since like <laughs> you know, two, two or three summers ago.
3: Well, again, they keep trying to find one of them that sticks. No pun intended.
2: <laughs> you no, know, I, I, I didn't have any problem. You hear the the pro- none of the Spider-Man movies have had a problem of a dislikable lead actor. The problem has entirely been in the execution and the fact that there's you know ever more expanding groups of villains and. They're built upside down and ultimately, you know.
3: Well, and of course, one of the things we're all looking forward to is I'm sure we're sitting when it comes on demand um, is watching um, Mr. Schwarzenegger come out, who is now going to be apparently also the new host of The Apprentice Mm. and his Terminator series and the coming back of that. And it looked really interesting, this next installment of the Terminator series. And, you know, robots have come really far in the last 30 years and uh we're gonna talk a little bit more about just how far they've come um in the next segment (laughs) and this is jim garrity and you've been listening to the jim and mickey show we'll be right back i'm gonna get some of echo
1: baker's secret bakeware for my husband he loves to bake non-stick prevents burning exactly Poor guy, he doesn't know when his muffins are done until the smoke
2: alarm goes off.
1: <laughs> what? This Bissell Pro Max Carpet Cleaner's on sale. Deep clean. And you really should clean the carpet now that the baby's about to crawl.
2: Can we just teach him to walk?
1: Oh, sure. Then he can go shopping for us at Kmart.
2: You're never too young to learn how to save money. <laughs> Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and we give you the scoop on the threats you didn't even know you should be worrying about. Among them coming to us straight from the fine, fine people at the BBC. Quote, a campaign has been launched calling for a ban on the development of robots that can be used for sex. <laughs> Such a use of the technology is unnecessary and undesirable, said campaign leader, Dr. Kathleen Richardson, who, as far as we can tell, is a real person and not <laughs> Skynet. Um, so Dr. Richardson, quote, a robot ethicist at de Montfort university in Leicester, um, I want to get that title, robot ethicist. Do you <laughs> you run around telling the robots, hey, be ethical. <laughs> do that. that would be wrong.
3: Uh, well and and, bring... and, and 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 the admission that we need a robot ethicist. That's a
2: good point. Dude, didn't Isaac Asimov take care of this with three lo- laws? <laughs> right? <laughs> God had Ten Commandments. Asimov just had three. It was pretty simple. So, uh, um, the ethics are s- yeah. subjective
0: because the yeah. robots are all caught up in the moment, right? I mean, how could anything so wrong feel so right? <laughs> well,
2: uh, uh, my yeah.
3: thing is this. Is this just the progression of the blow-up doll? I don't because think there's any doubt about had the that. the blow-up doll, and then they had those like, where you could make them basically like, get a real woman that you could you know, fake have sex with. But it was it was a you know a, a, an advanced we'll call it uh, blow up doll. A new
0: autopilot for the reboot of airplane.
3: Correct, and 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 you could have sex with this. And now they've got a robot that you can actually program. I'm guessing to do you know what you want. Now this could be a problem if people decide that the robot <laughs> delivers. On certain things better than others as far as actual procreation is concerned. Because Lord knows there are those, you know, massagers, and I'm using air quotes, that are out there (laughs) that women get very, very fond of. Imagine having an entire robot to yourself.
0: I can also see installing them in the waiting rooms at the sperm bank. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Getting everybody all warmed up.
0: <laughs> Short of the uh, shortening the the time wasted with the pornography, you know, just get right to it.
1: Okay, just get okay. to
2: Yeah, it. I, I'm going to play Devil's Advocate here for a second. All right, no. I'm actually going to stand up and defend Dr. Kathleen Richardson, robot ethicist. Okay. Um, if the you know, as they say, this really is, you know, the technology is growing by the days. You'll be able to have a robot that's you know not just going to sit there. I'll awkward pause there, <laughs> uh, and actually be much more interactive. You know what? What's really be disturbing about this—the idea that at some point we would choose to have a partner who we could program and create the way we want it to be, instead of an actual human being with flaws and, and challenges and all that kind of stuff.
0: Ah, we've been and dreaming de- about this for decades. What are the Stepford Wives? Isn't that 1960s?
2: Yeah, there you go. But see, now we're actually—we might actually be in the air. You know, at some point within a generation, Stepford, Stepford Wives, Wives might be possible
3: in in order to have the perfect partner because we are so w- unwilling to forgive and work through problems as people. So, you know, maybe we do need an ethicist
2: on the robots. You know, Mickey, the concern is, let's say they create the robot podcast co-host <laughs> that that never interrupts. <laughs> mm-hmm. That never that never has any habits that a flesh and blood human being co-host has. Does that mean I'm out of a job? Does that mean gone you've been thinking about this
0: for a long time haven't you
2: dave don't tell him anything <laughs> keep it on the download. we don't need to tell him these things you know that there's a potential for a much more disturbing terminator series version right like <laughs> well, I yeah, know that and my other doesn't question need- is
3: if there's an anti-sex robot group does that mean that there is a pro robot sex group <laughs>
2: That seems like a safe bet that they're out there somewhere. <laughs> you know, that's a big place, Mickey. I'll let
0: you. Unit sales will tell that story. Unit
2: for all sales. Of our share, for all, of our, all of our blessed listeners are like, yeah, I totally expected this conversation in this week's episode.
3: <laughs> they love these conversations in this week's episode because that's what they can expect every week with the Jim and Mickey show. It's a nice break for them from the real crazy world out there, and we bring them into our real crazy world in here. And uh, they can always find us on soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. Um, we do encourage our listeners to find and like us on Facebook um, and in, engage in conversation there at facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey show. We are working on a brand new website and hoping to launch that very soon. So keep an eye out for that. To contact us, you can reach us at Jim and Mickey show at gmail.com. And I look forward to your emails and comments and questions about the show. I am Mickey White. I'm here with my co-host Jim Garrity and our fabulous producer, Dave Perkins. You hear that? Fabulous! You've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. Catch us next week. I could have used a little more cowbell.